Aloni, Fakafeilo Aki, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific Kotokuingwa Kokoroi Hawkins. Coming up. What we can see is that it's a, a very fractured parliament. Official Vanuatu elections results are declared, but there's still no clear winner. Also, when you talk about the Pacific, you know, you need to include this other sub-region. An advocate for Melanesian communities in Aotearoa says they feel overlooked in the government's specific language strategy. And later on... I want to see football crawl in the Pacific, you know, in us all in the Pacific, because I'm here representing everyone. We tell a nod to Vanuatu football star Brian Kaltak, who's now applying his trade in the A-League with the Central Coast Mariners. The results in Vanuatu's snap election have been released, but it's not clear who's come out on top. The caretaker prime minister and leader of the Vanuaku party, Bob Lothman, has secured seven seats and former opposition leader Ralph Reganvanu's Ground More Justice party has four seats. Joining me is Vanuatu political commentator Dr. Tess Newton-Kane, a senior research fellow and the project leader for the Griffith Asia Institute's Pacific Hub. Thank you, Tomas, for sitting down with the Mifala Tess. What are your initial thoughts on the official results? What we can see is that it's a, a very fractured parliament. Um, I think that the highest number of seats that any one party's got is seven, and there are two parties there. There's the UMP and the, the VP, Vanuaku Party. So they, they're the two established parties, but even so, they're still quite small numbers, um, a lot of independents and a lot of micro-parties. So this accounts for what we've already been seeing, which is, you know, a, a sort of quite um, intricate and no doubt drawn out process of negotiation to try and put together a coalition government. What's the nuts and bolts going forward from here now that the official election results have been declared? Well, I guess a couple of things could happen. I mean, we may see um, ap- appeals or uh, we may see some of those results contested through the Court of Disputed Returns. And as we know in Vanuatu, that's a process that tends to happen fairly quickly. The court will sit and deal with those as a matter of urgency if, if and when they're filed um, or lodged with the court. Meanwhile, what we'll see a continuing a continuance of what's already been happening, which is um, people coming together in camps. I understand there are two camps at the moment trying to work out and negotiate whether they can put together um, a coalition government. I, th- I guess one of those camps is based is kind of organised around the previous government, and the other camp is organised around what was the opposition. And uh, like like all politics in Melanesia, we won't know anything until that swearing in in Parliament, will we? Well, that's right. I mean, you know, there's there's lots of chatter and there's lots of talk on Facebook. We've already heard talk of people moving from one side to another. There'll probably be more of that, but until they actually walk in the door and take their seats on one, on either side of the parliament. It's impossible to know for sure. Thank you so much for your time, Tess. And I will most likely be coming back to you all through the week, so appreciate your time. Okay. Sounds good, Karoi. A Nivanuatu and Melanesian advocate in New Zealand says the country's Pacific Ministry has overlooked Melanesian communities in its language strategy. Apart from Fiji, the government's Pacific Languages strategy, launched in September, has lacked input from other Melanesian groups except Fiji, she says. Susana Suisuiki has the story. Lena is known as a Nivanuatu health professional who proudly serves and advocates for the Melanesian community. 
In an opinion piece, Ms Isno says from the consultation to the launch, the 10-year Pacific Languages strategy is a major cultural blunder. She understands that bigger Pacific groups such as the Tongan and Samoan community have been the pioneers of language revitalisation in New Zealand, but says the ministry needs to be across all Pacific groups. When you talk about the Pacific, you talk about the true representation of what the sub-regions mean. And so in a document as as such, you know, you need to include this other sub-regions so it is a true representation of the document. There are nine Pacific languages identified in the strategy with three key objectives, one of them being to recognise the value of Pacific languages across Aotearoa. However, West Papuan advocate and student Lawrence Ikenia says the strategy only seems to value the Pacific languages that are most spoken. One of the arguments is that it focuses on the numbers of speakers of the language who are currently living in out there in New Zealand. But you know, as uh, as being you know Pacific Islanders, we can ignore uh, other fauna. Minister Alpito William Seal says he's not buying into the criticism. Mr. Seal says the Ministry for Pacific Peoples has given over two hundred and sixty thousand dollars to the Melanesian communities to support their language initiatives. He adds it's the first time the government has delivered such a strategy and that all Pacific communities should refer to it to determine what actions they need to take before they approach the ministry. It's no good standing outside the tent and throwing stones, but you've got to engage. And now with the Pacific Language Strategy, you have the opportunity to develop your actions, engage with the Ministry of Pacific Peoples, so that the ministry can continue to fund the initiatives that they see as important for the communities. The nine Pacific Language Weeks recognised in New Zealand are Rotuman, Samoan, Kiribati, Cook Islands, Tonga, Tuvalu, Fijian, Niuean and Tokelau. None of the parties making up New Caledonia's pro-independence FLNKS movement will attend this week's talks in France on New Caledonia's new statute for the territory. The previously undecided UNI faction now also says it will be absent after FLNKS had already said it would not send an official delegation to Paris. New Caledonia's pro- and anti-independence leaders were due to meet the Interior Minister, Gerald Darmanagh, for separate bilateral talks on Thursday, followed by a broader meeting on Friday chaired by the Prime Minister, Elizabeth Bourne. RNZ Pacific senior journalist Walter Zweifel has been following developments. The FLNKS, which had said that it will not go to these talks in Paris at the end of this week, has now come out with all components of this independence movement saying that none of the parties will attend the talks. They are scheduled for Thursday with the Interior Minister and on a Friday with the Prime Minister. So we'll have a situation where only the anti-independence parties will be in Paris, plus other organisations which have been invited for this next round of trying to figure out what the future state of New Caledonia would be. Yeah, it's it's just almost a reflection of the last referendum, isn't it? Like, what what's breaking down here in the in the communications in 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 what we're seeing in terms of why I guess the FNNKS do not want to be at the table. Oh, there are different aspects to it. One is the fundamental position ever since the referendum in December last year, when an overwhelming majority voted against independence. Uh, at that time. The FLNKS said it did not accept the referendum as such because they had decided to boycott the referendum because of the policies imposed by France in connection with the 
referendum date. They wanted to have it deferred until this year, but Paris pushed through the referendum last year uh, amid concern about the impact of the pandemic. And that meant that the pro-independent side largely boycotted the event. So 96% or more voted against independence. However, only about 43% of the electorate took part. For the FLN case, the outcome of this referendum is not legitimate. They did not ask for it to be held again, but they just don't accept the outcome. They say they will contest this result uh, internationally, trying to have some backing from the Pacific Islands Forum or the United Nations to put to France that this cannot be the legitimate outcome of this decolonization process. Now, with this position, the FLNKS has said they will want to sit down with France a way forward to find uh, a way to have the territory decolonized. Um, of course, the result stands legally, uh, but politically, it's, it, it has not been accepted. Uh, with this dichotomy between what's legal and what's politically right, uh, we are now in this stalemate situation where the FLN case does not want to engage with France on the next steps that are envisaged by Paris. And what is planned by Paris is a new statute that is supposed to be put to a referendum sometime next year. There was talk of having this done by June. Uh, a referendum on a new statute that would see New Caledonia reintegrated into France. The FLNKS is not interested in any process that would go down that way, whereas for the anti-independent side, the situation is clear. Uh, Walters said no to independence, hence a way has been found to reintegrate New Caledonia into France. Um, with, which has uh, several key aspects. Uh, I'll ask you in a second about the aspects of those, but uh, have we heard anything from France or the anti-independence to the FLNKS withdrawing from this meeting? Well, not yet. I mean, the decision was reached, final decision was reached on Sunday when the unifaction, which includes Palika, which is the party of Louis Mapu, the president of New Caledonia, decided they were not going to go. Uh, the argument put forward was that uh, they did not get any proper reply from the overseas ministries on what was on the agenda for these talks. Uh, let's remember, there initially was supposed to be bilateral talks between Paris and the pro-independent side and Paris and the independent side, followed by a meeting with the prime minister where there would be a larger congregation, what they called it, the convention of partners uh, that would include civil society groups as well, plus the, the customary Canex Senate, uh, business groups and so on. Uh, a new format on trying to find a new way forward or a new statute for New Caledonia. Um, the anti-independent side, they, of course, they are going to be there. They will have discussions, but uh, more from the pro-independent side, uh, the view is that it's basically the French talking to the French and not including the Canex, who are supposed to be central in this decolonization process. The Vanuatu football star Brian Kaltak has finally got his dream job playing in the A-League. Kaltak debuted for the Central Coast Mariners against Wellington's Phoenix earlier this month in Wellington. He said there was some nostalgia for him coming up against the Phoenix as he had trained with the club early in his career. The 29-year-old former Auckland City defender is captain of the Vanuatu national team and has had a long career playing all over the Pacific and says he wants the system to encourage more players from the islands to make it internationally. He spoke with RNZ Pacific reporter Jan Kohut shortly after his Mariners debut. 
No, it was good. It was good. Look, um, I made my debut um, against the Phoenix, uh, and yeah, now now that um, I'm chilling well in with, with the voice, and I'm feeling feeling really confident and yeah, looking forward for this season. Yeah, it was good. Awesome. Did it feel strange that um, you were playing um, uh, against a team? Uh, I think you started in the Phoenix, did you? In the under 18s? When you came to New Zealand, or was it a different team? Yeah, so um, I was I was sponsored by OFC to to um, to develop my football in you know, with the Phoenix. Which is, um, I I trained with 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 the Phoenix the first team for for um, three months, and then playing playing in, in one of the local league in New Zealand. Yeah, so very um, much that's where that's where I started. I right. started um, my football day, and and Sunday was um, remarkable because and after a few weeks later, I was playing against them. Yeah, it was crazy, but it was good. It was good. And um, so uh, you joined the A League uh, recently now uh, in your position, and um, it was this a, a long time goal that you've been trying to reach? Yeah, look, it was. Um, it is. It is my goal to to one day play in a, or get get a professional contract. But I was I wasn't thinking of playing the A League, you know, because uh, the amount of the, the opportunity that I was was going to have it was it was just limited. And then yeah, this this happens. But it was my long term dream to to like to to play professional. And then what if now that I'm, I'm so happy that now it finally comes true. Awesome. That's cool. What, what, what is what's next in your story? Are you are you planning to to stay in the A League, or are you planning planning to to go bigger, maybe? Or oh look, I'm I'm starting playing. I'm I'm being doing okay. My goal is to to go further. You know, just not to to settle here in the A League, but to go to go further to where I can go. Like now that the opportunity that's been it's been given to me here, and we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, mm. just sign for one season, and we'll see. We see what happens next. If they renew my contract, then yeah, that depends how long I'm, I'm going to stay here. But my my call is just to keep going, man. To keep to keep going and um, and see in in the future. Yeah, definitely. And um, what would you like to see um, uh, in the Pacific? Because like, especially in Melanesia, um, when you look at the football over there, um, I mean, I've looked at it and it's it's fairly underfunded. And um, do, do you have any thoughts on what you'd like to see in football or uh, in Melanesia, especially? Oh, look! I mean, I, I want to see I want to see football football um, crew in the Pacific. You know, in us all in the Pacific, because I'm here representing everyone, and I want to see I want to see all all the all the leagues in the Pacific. I want them to, to step up their games. I want them to, to take football to the next level. You know, because now football, football is different. Football is business. Business is like a big business around the world. So we got to, we have to, we have to be, keep on track on those, um, on the system because um, that's where it will, it will help all the, the the other young young kids in the future to, to grow up. Because I'm here, I want I want more more players in the islands, in the Pacific, in the islands to to, to be in the early. You know, if if I can do this, if Roy can do this, then. Everyone can do it, you know. Just the chances that they have to get to get here, it's, it's limited. So one has to open the doors for for, for the young generation, the young kids to, to 
follow through the same pathway that, that we, we, are, we are doing right now. Thank you, Thomas Wantok, and all the best for Career Blue Law Australia. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Fakafitai tofani.